Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. God's been at work in people's lives over and over in all kinds of different ways, and he's been showing up in people's lives over and over again. One of the ways, most recently, was uh, amongst a team of our teenagers that went down to New York, and uh, they ministered down there, but frankly, as I've listened to their stories, they were ministered to maybe more than they actually served. And we're going to invite Vianna to come up at this point. She's going to tell us a little bit about that. We're going to hear a little bit about how God worked in her life and in the team's life, team, teens, whatever, life, and uh, Vienna, all yours. Um, so I had the opportunity to go to NISM, which is New York School of Urban Ministry. Uh, Jacob mentioned it last week. And I went with 21 other youth and four leaders. And I really felt, now I really feel that I was blessed to go because I got to watch all of my peers do ministry and a lot of them hadn't done anything like that and I watched them and I watched God shake them and um, the key thing that stood out to me was God's presence with the group it never left (laughs) Um, everybody noticed it we noticed it the leaders noticed it people at the school we went to noticed it People on the street noticed it in the airports, and people were pointing it out, whether they realized that it was God or they just said, you have this energy about you. Um, that was just almost opening doors from, for them to like be spoken to because God just works that way. Um, one thing I didn't share last time, but I, don't, I feel like I should share, um, was that like we went to a rehab center And um, I really, that was a really good day. But it was also a really hard day for a lot of the youth. Like, they had seen a lot of hard things and they were just, they were all, we were all carrying different things. But we went there and God's presence was there. And we got down to the last floor. We were doing a little set with testimonies. And I was just, you know, tearing down the sound and like, that's all I was going to do. And then we walk in this room, and it's 110 men who are recovering drug addicts. And God's like, you're speaking. And I was terrified because I didn't plan anything. Um, And I spoke, and it was totally God. I don't know what I said. He just kind of let it. And God opened up the hearts of those guys for prayer. A lot of them, he just softened their hearts. Um, so that really showed me like what God can do when you're vulnerable to the Spirit and you obey Him. Um, yeah. One other thing I noticed was God's presence was with us everywhere we went. So we went to Brooklyn Tabernacle, which was a lot of seniors, and we were singing hymns. But God's presence was the same there as it was when we went to Hillsong's youth group and we were surrounded by faces that looked as young as ours. Um, so to me, it just showed that like it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what you're singing, what kind of building you're in, if you're on the street, God's presence, as long as it's there, that's what matters. It is so good to continue 
continuously hear about God actively at work in people's lives. Uh, we don't follow a God who once worked in people's lives. We follow a Lord who works today in people's lives. And it's so good to hear stories of that. It's so good to see it. And Thelma, I know you're going to come and share a little bit about that now. Micah told the youth on Tuesday night, uh, the living Jesus had been seen by hundreds of people. That's in our Bibles, but it's documented in historical records as well. But most importantly, the evidence of our living Jesus being seen and experienced in people's lives today. So I hope you have seen that focus uh, up to this time in the service. And we saw the joy of the children as they came and they shared with us verses that they are learning from the Bible about Jesus and learning to know him. And we heard the testimony from Vienna and the youth as they went to New York. And we've heard and recognized the work in Tammy's life and what God is continuing to do in her in a new and a fresh call. And we had a baptism this morning of Edward. And it's just been a joy to get to know Edward. And he just thinks so much of Micah and Tammy and the ministry he's been under here and how God has just kept calling him to this service of baptism. We can't get the smile off Edward's face at all. And it's just been wonderful to, to talk with him and, uh, and experience that with him. And we're going to hear, uh, we're going to have other baptisms, as Micah mentioned, and going to hear another testimony towards the end of this teaching time. So the teaching time this morning is short, as I've mentioned, simply in addition to a message that I'm hoping you've been picking up all through the service. To try to give a little bit of background to the scripture I'm going to read in just a moment, on that first Easter morning, we read of the women as they made their way to the tomb. And it would have been between 3 and 6 in the morning, and they were walking in the dark. It was long before daylight. And a, a stone had been rolled in front of the tomb, and they were wondering who might roll that away for them. They have spices, they have ointments to anoint Jesus' body. And tombs in that day were above ground with a front opening. You had to stoop, but you could go into them from the front. And in the front of the opening was a groove in the ground and a round stone to the side, and that would be wheeled into position to cover the opening of that tomb. And according to Matthew's gospel, the authorities had actually sealed that stone to make sure that it was not moved. And Jesus had died on a Friday, and his body was hastily placed in the tomb because it was the uh, beginning of Sabbath. Sabbath for Jewish people is from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. And Mary Magdalene had been longing to return to the gravesite. But because of that Sabbath, she had had to wait. There are many, many religious laws in place about the Jewish Sabbath, and for her to walk the distance from her home to the tomb would have been breaking the laws of keeping Sabbath. But how hard that Saturday must have been for Mary. Because in those days, you went to the tomb for only three, day, three days, and there was the belief that the spirit of the loved one hovered around the tomb for those three days and then was gone. Mary had had to miss a whole day of the three that she wanted to be there. So she gets there on that Sunday morning and she finds that the stone has been rolled away. And she doesn't try to go in. Instead, she runs and she tells the disciples. And she tells Peter and John and they run back to the tomb and they find it empty. 
And two main reasons probably came to all of their minds. Number one, was this grave thieves, robbers who did this type of thing? Or was this the Jewish authorities? Not satisfied with having crucified Jesus, were they now inflicting on him even further indignities? But Peter and John went in, and they found the wrappings that would have been around Jesus' body lying to the side. And they found the cloth that would have been over his face, folded and lying to the side. And those things just didn't compute, didn't fit with the two thoughts that they had around the reasons for this. So as we come to the passage of scripture this morning, commentaries suggest that Peter and John had already run to the tomb, had found this, they had come and gone, and now we have Mary Magdalene back at the graveside, at the open tomb. So I'm reading to you this morning from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them Jesus' message. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, the power of the written word, the spoken word, your word, alive for us today. Thank you that we have the recorded message of the empty tomb, the risen Jesus. Bless the reading of your word this morning, and Lord, touch us as we look into it a little bit more deeply and learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, a bit of a mini-sermon this morning, so we're going to focus right in on it. Mary is weeping uncontrollably. So great is her love of her Savior. And she stoops and she looks in and she sees two angels. And they start to talk to her and she to them. And I don't know about you, but if I suddenly saw two angels and they started talking to me, I don't know that I would be that brave to just start talking back to them. But Mary's grief is so deep that she isn't even shook by two angels. Why are you crying, they ask her. Because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. And then she turns to leave and she sees someone whom she thinks is the gardener. 
And biblical scholars feel that her eyes are just blinded by tears. And of course, she isn't expecting to see Jesus. So she doesn't recognize him. She doesn't recognize his voice. And I had worked quite a bit on the message for today. And it all changed for me on Friday morning when I was doing my own personal devotional. Because I personally heard the two questions that Jesus asked Mary. And I had to ask myself those questions and find my answer to my Lord. And I hope you'll hear them for yourself as well. Why are you crying? And who are you looking for? I think you'll agree with me that people all around us are crying today, even if we don't see their tears. We don't have to be in a church to know that people are searching for answers, for a meaning to life. From youngest children to our teens and our youth, to parents with families, to our seniors. The homeless, the unemployed, the underemployed, the uneducated, teachers and professors and intellects, scientists, CEOs, heads of our governments and organizations and world leaders, from people who never enter the door of a church to people who faithfully attend a church for years but haven't found that deep relationship that Jesus wants to have with them. Psychologists know that there is in each one of us a DNA that searches for a meaning to life. And when we can't find it, our hearts are crying. And then that question, and Jesus is the one who's asking it, who are you looking for? As we search for meaning, as our hearts are crying, we often ask what rather than who. What gives our lives meaning? What can we find? What are we looking for? And often we want knowledge. We want some answers for life. And since last Sunday, I have been in at least four conversations, and I think perhaps now five, where we've talked about God, we've talked about our faith, and where we have come to the conclusion and said, we just cannot wrap our heads around it as much as we try. And please don't misunderstand me. We do not leave our minds at the door when we come in here. God gave us minds to think and to explore. And please be free to ask any questions at all. I'm not sure if Chantal is in the second service this morning. Where is she? Raise your hand high. You asked me a question yesterday, I think it was, about um, how long Jesus was on the cross. And three of us had to go looking for an answer. So questions are good. Uh, Jesus was on the cross. He was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. Everything went dark at 12 for another three hours. He died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's in Mark 15. So thank you for asking your questions. May we never be afraid to ask questions. God has our answers for us. But we can't minimize God and we can't bring him into the small box of our minds. He's so much greater than that. So I love over and over again as I see and experience the mystery of our God. But though we may try to get more and more knowledge and know about God, and so we should, again the question, who? Who are you looking for? We need to know God more so than knowing about him. Know Jesus living and making a difference in our lives today. 
And sometimes we can come up with a substitute for Jesus. It could be a who, it could be someone, a relationship that we think will fulfill us and complete us, as we say. Or maybe we substitute Jesus with a career, or money, or life goals, or power, or control. Maybe we turn to addictions, alcohol and drugs, or an addiction of work, exercise, discipline, willpower, I can do this. An addiction of worrying, poor me. There is no substitute for Jesus Christ in our lives, none that can take his place. Pascal has said it so well. There is a God-shaped hole in each of our hearts that only God can fill. A God-shaped hole and only he can fill it. We need Jesus living, making a difference in our lives today. But like Mary, for some of us our eyes might be blinded by tears. Tears of grieving. We've lost a loved one. Tears of loss of good health. Maybe we are aging, loss of youth, loss of a job, broken relationships. Maybe our children have moved away or we are estranged from them. Maybe we have moved away, we've lost a support system and we want those things back. But those things cannot fill our need for Jesus Christ living and making a difference in our lives today. We also find sometimes that in our humanity we just want to do something about all of this. We want to be the ones to do the work of searching to find Jesus. And then we want to find a way to earn what he's done for, on, for us on the cross or a way to somehow pay it back. And instead, we hear our name and we find that he has come to where we are, wherever we are. Like Mary, we will hear him say our name so personally with such love for each one of us. When we look for Jesus, maybe circumstances in our lives won't change. When Jesus comes to us, life circumstances may continue on, but all the stuff in life is going to start to come together. We do have another testimony this morning, and that is from Shannon Smith, working in her life. So I'll ask Shannon if she will come now. I thought this might be easier the second time, but I'm not so sure. After sharing some of my story with Thelma, she asked me to share a little of my recent testimony. I'm not the most comfortable speaking in front of people, especially crowds, so I pray for God's loving strength and your patience. I want to start by saying this is nothing to do about me, only what God has done. This is about how some miracles happened when I chose to listen to God and let Jesus take control instead of myself. 2016 and 2017 brought some difficult times for my family and also for myself personally. We suffered a great deal of losses in more ways than one. My father-in-law's passing in February was difficult. It's hard to see a loved one suffer and be in so much pain. It was hard to watch my husband and the rest of his family go through this and our son's first grandparent to die. I prayed and prayed for guidance and was answered. 
Every time I thought I should be doing something else, God reminded me where I needed to be. I chose to listen to God, and I was able to be there at the most important times for my family. I went to the hospital through God's direction instead of other things I felt I had to do. Because I listened to God, I was able to be there when the family was given the news it was hours to days that my father-in-law was expected to live. What a miracle that I ended up there. I truly had other plans. God's plans are most usually different than what I think mine are. This gave me the time to talk with the family to ask if, we would, if it would be okay if I asked Micah to come pray with us, and they agreed. The way God works, when I phoned Micah, he was close by, and we were so grateful that God answered that prayer so quickly. Also through listening to God, I stayed with them all through that week praying for comforting and holding my father-in-law's hands to try to ease some of the pain. Every time he groaned and his hands were failing him, I prayed. God is so good, his hands relaxed and the groaning stopped briefly. Then I prayed again. This was only done through Jesus strengthening me, leading me. His great love and grace, nothing to do with me. When the night came that he left us here on earth, I was there, and through God's love, I was able to be there for my family. The most spectacular thing happened when I went to the chapel to pray. The Holy Spirit entered that place with only me and God in that room. I submitted to God and confessed how unworthy of his forgiveness I was and asked if he could take my father-in-law to heaven on my repentance. I knew right then and there he was on his way to heaven. I can't explain this experience. It's hard to find the words. But the last time I felt the Holy Spirit so close was when I was a child being saved by Jesus. My heart was heavy. Then the news of my childhood friend passing in July was very difficult. She was angry with God and thought he didn't love her. She was seeking my guidance through this over the last year of her life. Praying to find the right scripture and prayer for her was one of the most difficult things I have ever faced. Again, so grateful for God's grace. After her passing, I didn't know how I was going to face her mom. They were so close. I had to leave home, which I wasn't doing much of, to pick up some food and flowers for the visit to her mom's. I said, God, I can't do this. And as I drove up to the parking lot of the store, God said, yes, you can. You get into the store, and I've got the rest. And I heard those words clear as day. Well, a parking spot close to the store came to me, and strength to get to her mom's place came as well. Next, the burial. The date and time, August 2nd, 2 o'clock p.m., mine and Dave's wedding anniversary right to the minute. It was a private family burial, but I was invited. We plant a tree on our anniversary, so this year we planted an extra one for her. And only God led us to those trees, and that's a whole other story. At the end of the service, an eagle and monarch butterfly flew over. God sure plans everything right to the finest of details. Everywhere I have gone since that day, eagles and monarch butterflies appear. Then I spent weeks alone in prayer with God. I told God I needed a break. My heart is broken, and how could I possibly volunteer with the children in Discovery Park? How could I offer anything when I have nothing left to give? 
Well, God had a different plan. Not only did I go back to Discovery Park, but I also became a small group leader in youth, not to mention working here now, and that's a whole other story about God working and me listening to him. I trust it was what God was doing, even though I didn't totally understand. Had I not listened to God, I would have missed out on the opportunity of seeing how these beautiful young people, how they're growing and developing through Christ's love. The opportunity to pray with them, for them, and try in some small way to be an encouragement for them. The opportunity to watch them grow through Jesus' ever amazing love, even growing my heart more. As the months have passed, each opportunity God was laying before me fit together and made sense. Even though I had a strong faith, I was not leaning on God near enough. I have learned more about God's ever-living love than ever before, and I am so grateful. And continue in prayer to carry out God's will, not mine or anyone else's. It's a daily process, and sometimes I mess up. God is so good, he forgives me, reminds me, and he loves us all. Thank you so much for your love and support. I know that Tammy put a lot of prayer and a lot of work into those words for us this morning. And as I walk in each morning and see her smile and the times that we've had to share and to pray together, I see God working in her life, our risen Christ at work. As the worship team makes their way back up now, as we think of scripture, Mary knew that it was Jesus when she heard him speak her name. And Jesus told her, go, find my brothers and tell them. And she found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And that's what we have this morning for ourselves on this Easter morning. We have seen the Lord alive, beside us, in us, working with us. He has said, I will never, ever leave you alone. And that's the good news that we have for others on this Easter Sunday as well. Jesus is alive. He loves you and he loves me. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows what is happening in your life and mine. We don't have to look for him. He's right here beside us. He is here. <laughs> 